And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, as well as our engineer extraordinaire, Nick the Geek, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me, I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Well, hello once again, and welcome to another hour of mirth, merriment, music, madness, and all kinds of M-words. And, uh, well, hey, what can I say? We're just so happy to be here, and uh, and also to be uh, virus-free in our little uh, isolation here in uh, Arizona and Florida, and to have you out there in your isolated world listening to another hour of indie music like... Uh, well, like nothing, a group who calls themselves We Are Fury. Got these feelings still fresh in your dad's Lexus. We're screaming at the top of our lungs to songs we don't even know. I can't forget cause every sunset. Just another day you've been gone Tell me Did it all mean nothing When we talked all night Did it all mean nothing Was it just cheap wine single from the forthcoming album from We Are Fury, a Canadian instrumental and producer combo uh, consisting of Joaquim Spidel, who is originally from South America, and Vancouver-born Stuart Brooks. 
In a span of about three years, We Are Fury have amassed over 40 million streams across multiple platforms with their music, and uh, they're set to release their debut album very soon. That tune was released, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, March 27th. It was right around the date of the uh, week we missed the show because of uh, because of my uh, my uh, personal medical little thing where I decided to get sick that week and we couldn't do the show. So it was really nice having the week off. It Thank was you. unfortunate you. You because that John more just often, refused you know. to go yeah. on without me. I mean, that was like, you know, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't step up to the plate and, you know, pinch hit for me. So well, we had to, you still haven't taught me how to tie my shoes yet. So yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> well, we'll definitely put that on the uh, to-do list. Um, now's a good time because we don't have anything else to do with being in isolation here. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy world we live in, folks. And uh, we want to welcome you to our crazy little world of music here for the next hour. We've got a, a special show this week in that uh, we actually have one guest, but we have two groups. And uh, the way that works is our guest actually has two musical projects that he's working on, two different groups with their own signature sound, and we're going to get to them in uh, just a couple of minutes after we first, uh, we want to thank Mary Perry, accredited disability representative in Rochester, New York, who underwrites the David Bowers Awards on Rochester Free Radio WRFZ FM 106.3, our flagship station up in Rochester, New York. Thank you so much, Mary Perry. We love you, and we appreciate you underwriting the show so that we can reach all the good people of Rochester, New York on WRFZ. And, of course, our friends, WRFZ, a great lineup of, um, well, kind of kind of a um, an eccentric lineup. It's a, It's got... A lot of different things. You've got uh, music shows, you've got talk shows, and uh, it's local radio the way it should be. The only thing you don't have is commercials. Like I said, radio the way it should be. John Bon Jovio, how are you doing this week? Well, you know, like you out there in Arizona, we here in Florida, we're we're just kind of uh, battening down the proverbial hatches. Uh, the weather isn't stormy. It's hotter in, well, you know what, but... Uh, uh, you know, it, well, it's, it's hotter in Arizona right now. It, you know, it's just one of these extraordinarily weird times that we are living through right now. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, th- this new norm. I guess, I guess we're adjusting to it, but it doesn't mean that we have to like it. And if we want to shorten this new norm, then uh, please, I, I beg of you, everybody, listen to what the CDC has to say. Uh, don't go out if you don't have to. Wear your face masks. Stay six feet away from each other. And, and, and the handshaking game and, and the hugging because you're glad to see each other game, it's going to come back. just going to take a little time, that's all. Yeah, it's really, uh, it, it's really appalling the people who are ignoring or even defying the uh, directions of what to do to help minimize this. I know uh, there was a uh, party in California uh, over the weekend. They had a gathering of 400 people who just flat out defied the order. Well, uh, karma is just exactly what people say it is because uh, they got there. Somebody went uh, somebody went bonkers and shot up. And they, uh, I, I guess they shot uh, four, five, six, eight people 
Uh, I know there was more than one that got shot, but it's just insane. Uh, It's obvious this is the way, the only way we have at this point in time to minimize the spread of this disease. Why defy it? Why make it worse than it has to be? You've got to listen to the science and not ignore the science. A good example uh, well, uh, on parallel with what you're t- uh, you're just talking about with that party uh, over the Easter weekend, there was a church, a mega church in Orlando, that encouraged all two thousand of their members to, you know, come to church and let's pray together. And yeah. under normal circumstances, sure, that's great, but uh, not now. Can't be I doing agree. it. I mean, even, even the Pope is saying, "Hey, stay away. You know, watch me on TV." Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a sad testament to uh, to some people, and uh, fortunately, it is a minority. Unfortunately, it's a large enough minority that it can uh, it can make things last longer and make them worse than they it, needed. It to can be. have a huge snowball and, uh, effect because if you think about it, it all started yes. in China with one guy eating a bat. Well, that's that's the one story. It, yeah. it all started somewhere, and. Uh, it mushroomed from there, sure and did. it's a case of you know, even if you are, you know, even if you are impervious to sickness and you know, which is stupid, but even if you really believe that you're not going to get it, stop to think about the other people that you're going to infect if you do pick it up. I mean, legally, theoretically, there's an argument that you could make a legal case for it being uh, assault. Uh, you know, even the even with a, threat with a potentially deadly weapon, deadly weapon. yeah yes exactly so you know just if you're uh, you know if you have no respect for yourself at least respect other people and the possibility that they might be able to avoid getting sick if you uh, if you do the right thing so please stay home do the right thing stay safe and healthy because uh, we need every hands. listener we've got out there and yes, we, want we, you, we want you back so. absolutely well Moving right along, as I said, we've got a special guest with a a special show today. His name is Atlas Cage. He has two groups, two projects that he's working on. One is uh, Chords of Eve, and the other one is Strings of Atlas. We're going to hear a couple of tracks from both artists, from both both projects, I should say. We're going to be talking to him in about, uh, oh, I don't know, three, four minutes or so. Right after we listen to this first track, from Chords of Eve, called How Far We've Come.
Well, that's a very good question. I wonder where we're going to go from here. We're going to find out right now because we're going to talk to the creator of that piece and uh, and these two groups that we're talking about today. Here he is, Atlas Cage. Hello there. Hey, David. How's it going? Doing just fine, sir. I'm told, I, I, uh, Michael told me that you preferred to be called sir or your royal highness, so I, I want to be careful <laughs> and address you properly here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's great to have you on. What's that? I I was saying that's totally Mike, yeah. He was telling me. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Great, great guy. He's he's brought us uh, several great artists that we've had on the show, and uh, we welcome you to the uh, roster of uh, MTS and to our show. And uh, we definitely want to get into this and find out exactly what you got going on here because you got two different projects. Uh, I refer to them as groups because that's, well, that's what we're used to dealing with. And uh, tell us a little (laughs) bit about the situation and uh, why you have two projects going on simultaneously and uh, where you're headed with it. Well, with these two, it was kind of a a story arc between the two um, that Strings of Atlas I've just been doing forever, ever. I started off like rock and roll is kind of where I started my music career. And, uh, yeah, it was it was just like the project I've been doing for a long time. But as I got older and started doing more touring and meeting other bands and different musicians, I started to kind of pick up, you know, perspectives here and there, like different styles of music and started to kind of like broaden my horizon in terms of what I listened to. And that was where I started to get introductions to lo-fi and trip-hop and that kind of like jazzy, easier sound on things. And I was hooked on a lot of it. I'm a big fan of like Tricky and Massive Attack. I think they just put out some really cool stuff. And so throughout my rock career, I kind of would dabble here and there with just trying something new in music. But it wasn't until recently that I really got the chance um, to expand on that and got the, the time to do it. And that's how Chords of Eve was born, was just out of this this whole apocalyptic sci-fi story of how in another dimension, the band Strings of Atlas was playing a show and it's like World War Three, and everything gets bombed and blown up. Which, speaking of which, I've never actually, that's the first time I've heard the full track played on uh, radio. So I forget their explosions at the end of it and everything. <laughs> that <laughs> well, was kind I of almost, fun to almost, I almost did, too. As a matter of fact, we uh, we go pretty much by the, by the time clock uh, because often there are tracks that I may not remember the ending to because I, I don't hear them that many times before we get here. And of course, as I've, uh, as I've mentioned in the past to other guests, uh, my co-host John Bon Jovial never gets to hear the music at all. And that's intentional because I'd like to see, I'd like to see his initial reaction and because you, you know, I, I can't see all of the listeners reactions and, how they are reacting to a song with John. I can, uh, not only because he's my co-host and I, he tells me what he's thinking, whether I want to know or not, but uh, also because we have a, we have a video conference in the background so that we can communicate with each other during the show. He's in Florida. I'm in Arizona. So, uh, this is our, uh, our studio and, uh, we can communicate. So I do see his reaction and, uh, you know, I, I can tell when he really gets into a piece of music or when he's, you know, grabbing his throat and choking or whatever. And uh, we've been, we've been fortunate. We've had a lot more, uh, we've had a lot more getting into than we have had choking. So uh, that's a good thing <laughs> too. Say, hopefully the and former I'm, on this one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, abso- absolutely. And, uh, yes. 
<laughs> and uh, I'm glad you also explained uh, what happened there at the end because I was afraid you blew up your studio or something. But that's uh, an interesting concept. We all go through those phases, I know, where uh, we get into a certain music at the beginning, and then as we grow, so do our tastes. I know I was I was raised on a farm in upstate New York, and uh, the, my first memories of music were uh, Eddie Arnold and uh, you know, probably some other uh, some other country of the era, and a little bit of uh, the then popular music. Uh, and over the course of time, by the by the early to mid fifties, I started awakening to uh, the new genre of pop music, which at that time was uh, was kind of cross between uh, country rockabilly, a touch of pop, and, uh, and, and as the as the pop music scene was expanding, I remember my first love was the Everly Brothers. I loved their music. I still do to this day. And uh, at one time, my early record collection, I had every record they had ever recorded, along with some other artists that I did the same. I, you know, I lived on a farm. We didn't have a lot of things to do there. So, you know, you'd save your pennies, you go to the store, you buy records. What the heck? But, uh, yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying there about how your your interests expand, and uh, I minded too as I went on. As uh, when I got into radio uh, in high school, the first station I worked for uh, was a uh, I don't know today we would call it the, an adult AOR or something probably, but you know we played uh, we played Sinatra, we played uh, uh, all the the remaining big bands that were still extant then. And uh, then my second station I worked at was a, a solid rock and roll station of the early 60s and so on. You know, I, I've done a little bit of, uh, I think, almost every uh, every format there is out there except for uh, rock and hip-hop. I've never never done either of those, so I uh, I don't expect that I ever will. John Bon Jovial, what's your story? It's still time. <laughs> yes, <there is. laughs> uh, uh, you know my story is too long and involved to get into on this radio show but uh, well thank you besides we have a mixed audience <laughs> yeah we do uh no atlas i i wanted to talk to you for a moment uh about uh how far we've come and just kind of give you an observation uh i you know as, as david said uh, i don't get to hear this stuff until we actually hear it like now and um, the the and and if I'm if I'm mislabeling this, let me know. But the 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 heavy metalness of it uh, is is strangely appealing because I'm not a big fan of heavy metal music. And and I think not. Before I go any further, are, do you do the vocals on that? Uh, yeah, I play drums, bass, guitar, and I sing. And and you sing, okay? Because I'm listening to the is that all? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm listening <laughs> to to the vocals on it, and you know what? You kind of remind me of, uh, you know, when the Doors first made uh, an appearance on the the pop scene back in the uh, mid to uh, late '60s. You know, they had their pop hits like "Light My Fire." But later on mm -hmm. in their career of the Doors, back in the early 70s, before Jim Morrison unfortunately passed away, he took on a vocal quality, which I heard you emulating in this song of not preaching, but 
almost talking philosophy. And that's that's how this song struck me. I, am I am I close or am I way off base? No, I I mean that's quite a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I do feel like that's kind of what I try to convey in that is it's a lot of this stuff taken from life experience and put into rock and roll, and it's it's trying to make a connection with people who have either gone through or felt the same thing and not be like, this is how you should feel or this is how this works out, but more of like just kind of like a recognition of them. And that's kind of the vibe I try to put across in that. And yeah, I'm glad that's, that's kind of what you heard in that. Well, I did. And uh, I mean, Morrison was more of a preacher, uh, I think, than a philosopher, but he also had that quality uh, to a lot of his lyrics, especially, again, as I said, later in his career uh, before his unfortunate demise. Um, and, and that's what I heard in this. Um, now, this is the first piece of music of yours that I've ever heard. And is, is this typical of, uh, of uh, Chords of Eve and, uh, and Strings of Atlas, or is, is this something unique in, in what you're doing? Uh, so that track is Strings of Atlas, and pretty much everything I do in that, the Strings of Atlas is just a hard rock band. And that, that in particular is a bit more, I would say, like of a ballad kind of feel to it. I didn't want to go too heavy in it, but I wanted to make sure to keep this real solid groove to it. So it's probably on like the lighter to mid-range on what most Strings of Atlas songs will sound like. But I like that kind of a little bit cleaner in the verse, and then all the power kind of comes in in the chorus to make a point there. And then it just kind of drops back out nice and easy. I gotcha. Uh, tell me how you... Uh... Well, Strings of Atlas, we could probably guess and come up with an approximation. How did you come up with the name Chords of Eve? Chords of Eve was kind of, so it was like a byproduct of this story I had been working on with Strings of Atlas. And it was kind of like when you, you have, you know, the strings of an instrument and get them all working together, you can play a chord. And it was, it felt like when I, I had this new project going that everyone I had working on it, we just worked so well together. We were taking these ideas that I had that were these strings and turning them into these chords and making these amazing things out of them. And it's, uh, Chords of Eve is a female-fronted uh, project, so it's all, all various female singers. In this particular EP, you hear Casey Ardmore. We have a couple others as well that were getting into it, and the woman who designed our album cover and everything she put a ton of work into it and I feel like it just kind of fit with what we were doing and chords of ease and chords of evolution. They just kind of came out of that. Great. Great. And, and it makes sense when you put it together. I mean, at first when I saw the names, I'm thinking, well, obviously these are, you know, the project names and, uh, but I, you don't really get a sense of, of the meaning behind them. And I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you explained that. I'm also glad that you, uh, that you gave credits to uh, the people who worked with you on that. Obviously, uh, obviously they were as dedicated as you in creating this and uh, it, it comes out in the finished product. You can tell that it's, you know, it's, it's a thought out project. It's not something you just got up one morning, went into the studio and said, Hey, let's bang out a couple of numbers. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it comes through there. 
<laughs> well, hey, listen, we've all done that. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background, what you've done prior, and how you got up to one of the things we like to get is the, the artist story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I pretty much everything started in high school with me getting into my first metal band and just kind of getting a taste for what it was like to, you know, set up shows, play, ironically enough, play in bars, even though we weren't old enough to actually be in them. So many bars still booked us all the time. Now I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, kind of building up that, that stage presence and that idea of networking and music. And when I got into college, I started getting into producing. I met a lot of people who were doing, like, um, hip-hop and just doing, like, indie and folk and doing all these different things that I hadn't tried out before. And that's actually why I started getting into film scoring, too. I did a few student films learning how to do, like, foley art and creating soundscapes and things like that. So it just kind of, like, the more people I met, the more I started to try out different styles. And it kind of, you know, it molded strings of Atlas a bit, and then it also got me into a lot of different projects. I was drumming for a band called Eyes of Nine in, uh, in Santa Fe for a while, and I lived in New Mexico, and I was DJing when I was living in Portland. And it's, it's always like just new musical endeavors, I feel like it all kind of becomes one giant thing. You know, it used to be I would see each band as being separate completely. But now, I mean, these two projects are you know, a perfect example of that, of how the story ties in to two completely different genres. And it's just, it's always, it's always fascinating to me. I'm always trying to learn more, better my production skills, and just learn how to kind of manipulate sound in a way. You know, it's, you can learn so much on a guitar, and then what do you do after that? What else can you right. do? And that's like, that's my constant journey. I'm always trying to learn something new in sound creation. Well, the concept is fascinating, and, uh, and the, the result is interesting as well. The, the fact that you created these two separate but equal parts that it's almost like a marriage you know where the uh, the husband and the wife are you know two separate parts that have their own uniqueness their own uniqueness and yet they come together and they create a marriage they create a, a together product and uh, uh, it, it's an interesting concept i don't think i've had a uh, an artist who has approached that we've had artists that have had you know, more than one project, even sometimes simultaneously, but to have the two projects that are totally separate and perfectly capable of standing on their own, but yet actually merge together to a uh, to the point where, like you said, it's 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 a story arc. Tell us a little bit about this next track we're going to play. Not over. Not over. That was the pretty much the the feeling I had when I started writing that album is, you know, how far we come was kind of like the, the overall theme of it. Like, look at what you've done in all these years is where the music was. And it was kind of like this fire kicked in where I was like, okay, I haven't put out anything new. It's been a year and a half has passed and I've been taking a break on everything. I'm like, but it's not over yet. And it was, it just kind of started writing itself. And there's this kind of infectious groove that kicked in this little mid tempo grunge range. that I think my body just naturally falls into and that song just started coming out, and I was like, I have to write this down. I have to get this one recorded. And I feel like it was kind of a driver on this album in terms of the the pacing of it and, like, the heaviness of it. It was it was exactly what it is. Like, no, it's not over yet. We're still, we're still pushing forward through the music. Okay, it's not over here yet because we've got two more tracks to go through after this. But here is <laughs> Not Over. I'm 
There you go. Not over right here on the David Bowers Awards. We are having a nice little chat with uh, Sir Atlas Cage and uh, discussing uh, his two uh, joint projects that he has going, Chords of Eve and Strings of Atlas. And uh, we're so glad to have you here with us. We thank our friend uh, Michael at MTS uh, Records for uh, putting us in contact with you. And uh, I'm one thing I'm looking forward to is the last track we're going to play today is the newest release. And uh, I know our listeners are going to like that one. Has a little, I think it has a, a little bit more of a wider appeal. Uh, it, it, it'll appeal not only to the, the heavy hard rock and metal people, but also some of the pop rock people too. I think it has a, a broader reach, but we'll talk about that later. Right now, we'll talk to uh, Atlas Cage. Now, Atlas, what have you got planned in the uh, in the immediate future? Are you working on more new material? Are you expanding on what you've done? Are you going to be doing some uh, some touring in support of the music or what? Well, currently, I mean, since everything's kind of been put on hold with, you know, actually going out and <laughs> meeting people and doing, doing all the normal things right. we do in music, uh, it kind of made an adjustment on uh, a lot of like digital shows and I'm using like a, my vlog is kind of like my vessel for reaching out to people and kind of just getting that behind the scenes, like person to person kind of deal. And that's been doing really well in terms of that. And then a few of my, you know, buddies and things that I have in the music industry, having them do a couple of remixes on tracks, which I love hearing reinterpreted versions of a song. So we're going to sure. have a couple of those that we're going to get out like as exclusive for our fans and everything. And yeah, we we just got that kind of going on. We just started with Chords of Eve last night, a project we ended up pairing with uh, the Langlong Foundation here, which is a private uh, charity foundation, who we're going to do a crowdsourced music video. And for everyone that we get in it participating, they're going to donate $25 to the Central Texas Food Bank. Awesome, so that's man. one of the community projects we're working on right now. Great. That's an awesome thing. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think, you know, obviously a lot is going to come out of this, uh, this uh, coronavirus pandemic and the, uh, the major shakeup to lives around the world. And I think uh, among the other things that we're going to see, we're going to see more use of the internet and uh, more use of live streaming on the internet by individual artists, as well as, uh, you know, the major uh, labels and producers. And uh, I, I, I love it from the standpoint that uh, the artists are doing more of just exactly what you said there, more uh, more one-on-one or more nearly one-on-one anyway, or small intimate uh, concerts. And uh, it, you do get that intimate feeling. And I think that the, the fans get more of a personal feeling because, you know, it's great to go to a major uh, arena and see, you know, see your favorite group up there, you know, rocking their socks off all night long, but you don't have that, that closeness, the feel of being able to, you know, like you and I and uh, John Bon Jovi are sitting here talking now, you don't get that, uh, that personal feeling. And that's something that uh, for the most part, artists haven't been able to get, but can now, uh, especially since the uh, live stream has really become a part of the musical way of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as much as I do love the energy you get, especially being out there in front of a crowd that's really digging what you're doing, and they're they're there for you, they're into it. That's, yeah, that's a whole other kind of feeling. But it's interesting to see what people can do in the digital age now with the tools that we have 
and kind of almost take that that feeling of grandeur and then kind of bring it down to this singular level of where it's this most intimate feeling of like the artists you love watching are now in your living room and they're looking at you and they're talking with you and interacting with your comments and things. And even if they're not playing, even if it's like, I love the behind the scenes and just seeing interviews with people and having them acknowledge when someone pops up somewhere in a, in a chat somewhere. I think that's, that's cool. And I think it's going to open a lot of doors for innovation. I agree. Uh, the, you know, the, it's nothing's going to replace the live concerts, like you said, uh, and, and it shouldn't because uh, the artists need to feed off the live crowd, just like the live crowd feeds off the artist in performance. But I think we're going to see a lot more of the more personal concerts and, uh, you know, the in-home, the sit-down. And I love the, I too love the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff where you get to see, you know, how the artist lives, how they prepare for a show, how they set up a show, how they do their recordings. And uh, I know uh, one of the artists that we had talked about in the past was uh, Joe Bonzel of the Oak Ridge Boys and their last album. They did just that. And uh, we're hoping that they, they get to release the videos of it because they did do a, a video in the studio as they were recording the album. And I think uh, I think that's a neat thing. I can't wait to see it. John Bon Jovial? Yeah, before we get to the next song, I just I had a thought that I just kind of flashed on as you guys were talking about, uh, you know, the online concerts, the virtual concerts. And this kind of harkens back to the era of uh, Dick Clark's American Bandstand and Don Don Kirshner's rock concert. Yes, there was a small audience there, but it was more of an intimate thing beaming out over, you know, the the airwaves to the country. And I I, I think we may be coming full circle, at least temporarily, on something like that. Agreed. Agreed. Again, again, that's a a good thing. I, I think the more ways you can bring the artists and the audience the fans together the better it is for everybody right now we're going to turn on the next track here a thing called bright side we'll be back with atlas cage right after we listen
right side is what it's called, and on the side here is Mr. Atlas Cage. Hello, Atlas. Hey. <laughs> great sound, great sound. Tell us a little bit about Brightside. Yeah, so that's that's Chords of Eve there, and that's kind of that futuristic psych pop sound that we have going on. And Brightside, when that was written, was really, really about that, about some friends that we had, had just that were in hard places that were having a hard time and just kind of lost in darkness. And this was like the, there's a bright side to everything. And we tried to, I was trying to emulate the feeling of the kind of, when you feel like the warmth of the sun on your skin, but sonically and create that. And that was like what bright side was. Great, great uh, explanation there too. And, and the, the idea of creating a, situation of feeling a sense of something as you mentioned the sunshine or whatever uh, and doing it musically it's really it's really interesting to grasp that because it's something we really do experience although we don't always think of it in that term we don't always acknowledge that that's what it is it's just you know oh that was a happy song or that was a uh, incredibly relaxing song or whatever but uh, it's very well expressed by you john yeah, I, I'm, I'm noticing now, of course, referring back to what David said a few minutes ago, this is the first time I've, I've heard Brightside, and I am hearing a very distinct difference in the musical styles. This is far more melodic, and uh, so is uh, uh, Strings of Atlas designed to be a more melodic project than Chords of Eve? Uh, Strings of Atlas is just pure rock chugging along. Like for me, that's all about the groove and the heaviness. Chords of Eve is more in terms of creating a, a, I guess like a more intimate feel and using the melodies to do that. I really wanted to, it's kind of like happy music written out of sad times kind of thing. And it's, it's really meant to connect with people on a level on that kind of emotional level of where people are feeling feeling what's in the song, like feeling the track as opposed to just hearing the track. And that's kind of why it softens up a bit and gets a bit more melodic than, you know, in terms of like the Strings of Atlas stuff, which is heavy and let's put on a rock show. <laughs> well, it, it because it seems to me that uh, a song like Brightside does have a uh, more of a commercial feel to it. And, and I think that probably lends itself to the fact that it is a more, for lack of better words, melodic melody uh are are mm -hmm. you are you looking at uh melodic melody yeah how you like that huh uh <laughs> are, are, are you looking at, at, at trying to branch out with this type of theme uh to really differentiate one band from the other i don't know let me be crass about it in hopes of making maybe more money with one life one musical style over the other well i think you know as an indie artist you're always kind of on that cusp of trying to make sure, keep a balance of being financially secure and also being able to create the music you want. And I think with Chords of Eve, really what I'm kind of aiming for is a broader audience, another audience who's trying to maybe not necessarily accessible to the other style of music that I do, but they, they appreciate the artwork that I'm doing and creating. And I kind of want to make something for them and I think really, it's like you said, it does have more commercial sound. So I think it's going to reach more people and 
get the music out there fast. I mean, if anything, looking at the numbers and everything now that we get back on just these two releases, it, it already spreads further. And I think people just kind of, it resonates with people a bit more. And I mean, that's cool. Rock and roll is not for everybody. I know that. I still love it. And I think the people who do love it are very dedicated and loyal to it. The people who don't, they're kind of like, eh, it's all right, but it's not my, not my thing. Well, that's, that's one of the nice things about rock and roll in itself. Uh, rock has so many various styles and nuances. It's it's almost like a uh, it's almost like a composite of several subgenres. And uh, it's uh, I, I I was really impressed by a point you brought out, and that's the accent on the art of music. And I think this is something that too often goes unobserved: uh, the fact that music is an art, and what you're doing is expressing that art and drawing all the emotion and nuances and feelings out of it that you can, you are actually working the art rather than just making music. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, there's so much more to music than, than I guess the general public can like give credit to. A lot of times it's, you know, it's a jukebox sound, something in the background that just kind of like goes with the setting. But for me, I mean, the album artwork, the music videos, the, the people that you have in there mixing and the ideas they're getting with it, I think it's all this giant collaborative project that creates the feeling around the music, too. Now, more than just a museum, uh, museum more than just a musician, you tend, to be, you tend to be an artist as well. And uh, as I said, you, you, you work the art and you make the creation from the art rather than the other way around. And that's... That's a good thing. It's something that we don't stop to think about that often. Before we go any further, I wanted to mention to you, because you were mentioning that you, you, know, you may be doing more live streams and things like that, we have, a, uh, we have a Facebook groups page, which you can find simply, assuming Facebook search mechanism is working, by searching the David Bowers Awards. <laughs> and uh, that is there specifically for music people to post their music, uh, their shows, uh, live streams in this case, anything you've got going that's musically related that you'd like to spread the word on, you feel free to post it there. That's what the page is there for. And we will oh, draw from dangerous. that and make that's sure dangerous. it gets spread around to our other social <laughs> media. So uh, we'll uh, we'll try to maximize your reach there. Just uh, feel free. You've got a new release, post it up. You've got a new musical rumor going, post it up. We'll spread the word and see, uh, you know, we'll throw it on the wall and see what sticks, you know? There you so, go. <laughs> uh, keep that in mind, and we do hope that you keep in touch with us because we do take a lot of pride and get a lot of happiness out of talking to our artists, following their careers, where they go from the time they're on the show, what they're going to do, and uh, the bottom line is we look forward to having you come back and visit us again in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you all having me on there. Well, it's our pleasure, believe me, and we have really enjoyed it. Again, we thank Michael at MTS for pointing you in our direction or us in your direction, whichever uh, brought us together. Before we go, we've got <laughs> one more track we're going to play, and this is a track that uh, was just released around the time you were originally supposed to be on the show before I decided to take a sick day, and I believe it was the 27th of March it was released, and it's called The Future's Not What It Used To Be, uh, sum this one up for us, if you would, Atlas. This is probably the more 
rebellious of the, the five tracks that are on Dear Engineer by Chords of Eve. And it's kind of that, it, it was spawned out of someone kind of telling, you know, as I was doing rock and roll and doing this, they're like, well, why would you try such a softer version of music? Why would you change this? I don't think you should do that. You can't do this in music. And there's a line in there that says, don't ever let them tell you that you can't fly. And that's, that was kind of my way of telling people was like, if you have a goal and you're putting in the work on it, don't let someone tell you you can't do it because they couldn't do it. Absolutely. Well said. We thank you so much for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Atlas Cage, he has the, uh, the projects Chords of Eve and Strings of Atlas. You can find him like uh, most everybody else all over the Internet. Look him up. Go visit his pages. See what he's doing. Give him a talking to. Let him know what you like and don't like. I know he'd love to hear from you. The artists do love to hear from their fans. And uh, in many cases now, they are actually replying themselves. So uh, you would uh, more than likely <laughs> be actually... Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You'd more than likely be actually talking with Atlas Cage. Thank you so much, Atlas. Been a pleasure. We do look forward to having you back in the future. Keep in touch if you would, please. Absolutely, David. John, it was good to meet you guys. Great meeting you, you too. Good Thank to meet you so you. much. But, ladies and gentlemen, Atlas Cage, and here is the newest release, The Future's Not what it used to be.
Atlas Cage with Chords of Eve, Strings of Atlas. That was the future's not what it used to be right here on the David Bowers Awards. And I think after what's been going on so far this year, uh, that line is a safe bet. The future isn't what it used to be, or at least it's not what we thought it was going to be. That's for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, listeners, for being here with us. We look forward to having you back here again next week for another hour of new indie music and uh, talk with the artists who make it. John Bon Jovial, why don't you take us home? Yes, sir. I saw a thing on Facebook the other day that basically said, uh, we think that 2020 has caught a virus. We need to delete it and download it again. I think you're right. <laughs> Reinstall it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, folks, once again, you did it. You've been with us for an hour, and we are incredibly grateful for your company this week. The David Bowers Awards is broadcast around the world from the studios of Computer Help USA in Naples, Florida, and, of course, from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona. And we are available for free on most major streaming services. Be sure to follow the David Bowers on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And join us next week. That'd be cool if you did that for the David Bowers Awards, Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern on WRFZFM. That's 106.3 on your radio dial. And they're in Rochester, New York. That's Rochester Free Radio. And, of course, on Blog Talk Radio, Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and 6 to 7 p.m. UTC when our guests are scheduled to be Charlie Tate and Katie Garibaldi. So that'll be great. Until next week, for the David Bowers and Nick, our marvelously geeky engineer, uh, I am yours truly, the lovably legendary John Bon Jovial, and I want you all to be safe out there. Wash your hands, keep your distance, and love each other all at the same time. And we'll see you next week right here on the David Bowers Awards.